Hey there, Freedom Fighters. My name is Andrew Warner. I'm the founder of Mixergy, where I interview entrepreneurs about how they built their businesses. Joining me is, I feel like, yet another entrepreneur who got into marketing software. And still, I still feel like this is the win. We're going to ask you, Sean, whether you still think today, if someone's starting a software company, if it feels like marketing and sales are the places to start because there's logic, customers are willing to buy, right? And even with a lot of co uh, competition, there's still space for many businesses to compete, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a case, especially in, I think on the sales side, there's mm -hmm. uh, people just thought, I need a CRM. <laughs> the reality is no, <laughs> there's a lot more to the story. And on the marketing side, there's uh, lots of room as well as the reality. Uh, a benefit as well as that uh, you can use your own software to, to help grow right, your to own help you business. grow your own business. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sean Leonard is the uh, founder of Active Demand. They are marketing automation. Actually, according to the website, it's predictive marketing automation. I want to understand about that. And he's also the the man behind Funnel Flare, which I want to understand the difference between the two. Here's what the website says: Funnel Flare sales process automation software that will reduce your sales effort so you spend more time with those prospects that matter. All right, we're going to find out how he built up this business, starting with a consulting agency, and uh, we can do it thanks to two phenomenal sponsors. The first is HostGator, and we'll talk about how HostGator integrates with Sean's business in the software, and, um, and of course, HostGator will help you host a website. And the second is a brand new sponsor, which will help you get your sales team built. They will actually allow you to hire salespeople off their platform and manage them on their platform, on their software. It's called Overpass. I'll tell you later why you should go to Overpass dot com slash mixergy to get started. Sean, you and I just met. I wonder if it's awkward for me to ask you what's what's the revenue? How how much are you guys doing? Yeah, so uh, we're doing yeah, north of uh, north of two million. Uh, okay. I can say that. Um, but uh, yeah, we're still a private company, and we're definitely, you know, uh, having uh, discussions about investment and stuff. So I would just uh, leave it at that. Is that we're north of two million? Okay. I want to understand the software and then get to how you started as a consultant, which is, is an easier way to get started than software. But first, let me just fully understand what Active Demand does. What does it do? What does this whole predictive marketing automation thing mean? Yeah, well, and uh, it's interesting is the word automation. Automation doesn't come from uh, marketing or it doesn't come from sales. It comes from actually manufacturing, right? In manufacturing, they use automation to... Uh, uh, to reuse labor or better take, I guess, take pe people and get them to use their brains as opposed to their brawn, right? If we think of uh, manufacturing cars and all this other uh, stuff. Got it. You're saying that all the brawn gets automated so that we could keep stamping out the same piece of metal, but the part that's brain, like what metal, what does it look like, et cetera, needs the to design, be the Okay, right. The positioning, all yep. of this type of stuff. Yep, so yep. it's the same story with, uh, the, with marketing automation is uh, when we're trying to build, do a startup, for example, and it's really getting your name out there, getting leads, uh, getting your, your product into people's hands, that whole demand generation process, there's a lot of uh, manual uh, labor that's involved in it. It's uh, probably about 10% creative and 90% labor. And uh, so the idea of marketing automation is to uh, automate the labor. So you do it once, never do it again, and then you spend your time on creative and optimization. Let's be more specific. What do, what do you do for a company like mine? You yeah, know what we so, do, right? We do we do yeah. interviews. I've got some advertising yeah. on them. I I sell uh, membership. What do we do? So it's a case that I would say, you know, if you're looking at demand generation, maybe you're getting more people to listen, 
right? More, more, uh, a bigger How? audience, right? Okay. So get a bigger audience. There's lots of different strategies. You can buy, uh, buy, uh, uh, uh traffic with okay. uh, paid advertisements, okay. right? Through you, you through can... active demand? No. No. So I would some buy of the it. Thing... It seems like what active demand does is from what you and I talked about before we got started is I could do email marketing, right? So someone that comes onto a landing page, right? It's, it's, a, yeah. it's one part of it. Someone comes on my website, I get their email address. I maybe ask them a question that lets me know whether they're new in their business or a little bit more advanced. And then based on that, I can target the messages. That's email marketing. But the next time they come to my site, I can also adjust the content so that if they told me they're brand new to entrepreneurship, they don't hear about a business that is on the path to, to raising a series Q or some random thing like that. But it's more about how I got my idea, how I built it up. And if there's someone who's further along, they're probably thinking more about hiring a team, building culture, and they would see that on my site. And that's for email. That's for content on the site. That's also for advertising. The whole thing is what active demand will manage for me, right? Yes, as a tech stack. So basically, if you think about that whole story, somebody goes to your website, uh, they fill out a form. I've got to go send them an email thanking them and do some process to try yep. to keep them engaged, right? So I can sit there and type out an email every few months to try to uh, uh, get them to come back and talk to me, etc. And maybe they're on the website. I could go in and change the website or try to get them to a part of the website that speaks directly to them. Right. Um, or I could pay target ads to get them to remind that uh, that they need to come back and see you. Okay. Um, and for whatever reason, let's say they they uh, actually call you, or maybe they actually uh, uh, actually do listen. Which ones did they listen to? All of this stuff is data that can be uh, you can do it manually, but with software like ours, you can mm -hmm. literally literally adapt the website, the communications, advertisements in real time in real time two people be at the same office if they're a different stage in their careers they would sit down and look at my site and see different content all right let's understand yeah. how you got started you told our producer you got started with a marketing agency because you already knew a lot of people in the space how did you know so many people how did you know the vendors how did you know yeah. customers it's actually a, a, a it's a bit bit further back is uh i was uh, part of a uh, industrial automation company. It was a company selling consulting services and software in the manufacturing space. And uh, we had uh, uh, the, the product, we had a very long sales cycle, very long marketing cycle. And uh, this was just when internet was starting to be a thing. Uh, the only way we could actually accelerate our business is by using automation. Right, sales automation, marketing automation, communication automation. Because you're saying the to sales get your own clients for this Correct. advisory business, you said let's get into a software. Okay, what was the software? Yeah, so we, yeah it was a company called Matricon, and they did okay. uh, industrial process control and consulting for okay. plant optimization. So we in house built technology that allowed us to scale. Uh, a very long sales cycle, high risk business uh, uh, globally. And then we got bought <laughs> and then post acquisition. Uh, so to answer your question about how I knew people, it's actually people in, in the industrial space from a vendor perspective. So they knew that we were well ahead of the game. I was specifically well ahead of the game from a, the use of technology for journey automation. So starting an agency seemed like an easy thing to do, okay. right? 
And so yeah. the idea for the agency was what? What type of marketing work were you going to do for clients? Yeah. So the really the real goal was this: is that uh, you know we built out all this automation stuff while we were selling industrial process control software, and uh, then post acquisition. There's a ton of automation companies out there like HubSpot and the like, right? And we felt the thing that was missing, and I thought, number one, is marketing is, gonna, is getting is extremely complex, digital marketing. Like just to buy a Google ad requires an almost PhD in Google, Google technology to buy an ad. Uh, so I thought, what? Marketing is extremely complex and it's changing. So I felt the only, the only path forward for people who are really serious about growing their business is they're going to have to outsource the marketing, right? So I felt that marketing agencies were going to become extremely important. But what's interesting is marketing, uh, marketing agencies, none of them were using technology that uh, uh, allowed them to scale their businesses. Marketing automation existed for people who were marketing for one company, not lots. So we started our agency with the intent of building uh, an infrastructure for that we were going to pivot to and sell it to marketing agencies as infrastructure. So our play was you were going to go to marketing editing. agencies and say you don't know the right software to implement to help your clients grow their businesses. We will recommend the software. We'll implement it for your business and your clients, and that's what you got paid for. Uh, so as an agency, no, we went directly to the uh, 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 industrial process control vendors okay. and sold them marketing services. Right, demand okay. gen, like getting their widgets and and uh, services, uh, increasing their their brand, increasing their leads. Like we were. I guess I digital. don't think about them as as needing marketing automation or frankly oh. doing marketing at scale. I think about the guy who's selling a T-shirt on Instagram as needing that. No. Yeah. How so many people are they reaching? Give me give me something more specific. What's a what's a type of product that they were selling, and how yeah. many people do they need to reach? So, for example, um, uh, one of our clients was selling uh, power meters for power optimization in in buildings, right? And so, you think about their business; they were they're in Brisbane, uh, uh, in Australia, and every building in uh, Australia is a, is a potential market for them, right? So, it's huge. Right, and uh, so they're targeting uh, uh, installers and integrators and this type of stuff because there's other people selling power meters too. Got it. And so they want they want software that does it, or maybe they don't even realize they that they need software. You, they, they just, just want they, you to do it, and you say, you know what, we've got software that could do this even no, better. That's that was no? the key. That's the key. Yes, the answer is yes. Okay. But the what we found was all marketing agencies were doing the same thing. Okay. Is they were going to a client saying, "Hey, yeah, we can help. Do you have any professional marketing tools I can that I can use? Mm -hmm. You don't. Oh well, let me sell you some professional marketing tools that I will use on your behalf. Mm. Right? Okay. Which we found when we were an agency, number one, is a horrible strategy because why are you selling tools to somebody who you're the person that's going to use it? So that was our strategy is to come in and say, look, we can help you grow your business. Behind the scenes, we ah. had technology that allowed us to write once, resell the labor to 
all of our clients. Got it. You're right. Yeah, I've I've noticed this at least in the in the uh, SMB space or in the small um, space. They the agencies will and the freelancers will tell their clients go sign up for this software, use your credit card, your payment, and I will manage it for you. You're saying that's that's not the way it should be. They should just be paying you for the work and the results. You the use results. whatever software you want. And the benefit for you is once you have one account, you get to copy and paste and adjust everything for all these different clients. And that's what you did for how long? Yeah. So we did it while we were building the tech stack. Because so your idea that- was always to build your own software. A multi-tenant marketing automation system. That and was you really want, what we're after. Why didn't you just start with that? My hunch is, is you wanted to understand the need and to see what other exactly. software failed. That's we it. wanted to feel the burn okay. to come up with real solutions for it. So what burn did you feel when you were using oh, software boy. that already existed? <laughs> so one is uh, uh, pushing my brand. Like most agencies, like number one, the, fallacy, the number one mistake that uh, agencies have is they think, a lot of companies think this, that people pay for labor. They don't. They pay for results. It's the labor that you do to get the results. So if you want to scale your business, find a way to ensure that you do as little labor as possible. <laughs> and if you have to do it, reuse it, right? So uh, it's the case that, uh, 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 yeah, so really it was, it's, uh, 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 we wanted to sell infrastructure. Now, the end goal was us to sell, sell infrastructure. And the burden we felt with the tool set was scaling. Yeah. Like, how do I mm-hmm. do something once, make sure that my brand is communicated to the clients? And two, how do I reuse it? Right? Okay. Give me an example of how it worked before. I'm, I'm guessing that there wasn't a lot of white labeling. So anytime the client interacted yeah. with the software, they would see the software name and think, well, why is Sean doing this? Why don't we just use the software ourselves? That's, That's one, one of the problem. clear problems. Okay. What's another Another problem? one is, let's say I do a webinar. Okay. Right? Client so does a webinar, I, yeah. So I do a webinar. I'm going to have... Uh, for us, we do a webinar, six landing pages. There's a survey page, there's a registration page, there's a, uh, there's a uh, uh, asset page after with the, with the, uh, uh, the, web, the, the video. Uh, so there's a ton of landing pages. I'm going to do a whole bunch of social content to promote the webinar. I'm going to do a, a whole bunch of emails. I'll do uh, first an uh, HTML email, plain text email, over and over and over. Like it's a ton of labor to do a webinar. And we used to charge a lot to do webinars when we were an agency. But what changes from one webinar to the next? The pitch, the, the mugshot, the date and time. So if I was doing this with a whole bunch of software, I'd go into WordPress, build a bunch of pages. I would, if typically I wouldn't because it was too much work, then maybe I would go or even other landing page tools or go to webinar and I have no control over it. Uh, I would send out all these emails. I'd do a bunch of social posting and then I'd do, try to remind you to do the surveys, right? It's a lot of work. Whereas we would build the recipe, one click, deploy the entire webinar campaign, fill out the table of values, change the mugshot, done. We could promote a webinar in four different time zones uh, uh, in 30 minutes. You know what? We were doing webinars about a year or two ago on a regular basis, and I thought we were using the tools that would allow us to do what you just described. But even those tools required you to copy paste each page to do so much manual work. We had to, and we did this for ourselves, automate all of it so that we were creating the pages in the tools that we were using. We were uh, creating the tags in the email, right? All that. 
And then when we got a client or when we got a partner who was doing a webinar with us, when we could show them that we could get this up and running with their face in the, in the sales page and all that so fast, it gave them trust in working with us beyond it. But I didn't realize there wasn't software to do that. Yeah. And we could literally put, speaking of that is the registration page has the person's name on it, their company logo right. and dynamic content that is pitching the webinar to them. Right. Okay. And so you started doing all this, you understood the problem, you realized there was an opportunity in here before we continue to how you, you built the first solution was getting clients just a matter of going out and talking to people you knew and saying, do you have this problem? Can we create it for it? No. What was no, it? we used our own, uh, 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 like we did webinars, we did paid Got advertisements. It. We uh, account-based marketing was ex- very key because we knew which companies we were uniquely positioned to help. So instead of spending money and effort on all these companies that we weren't didn't have a unique proposition for, we would hyper-focus all of our effort on those companies where we would make a difference globally, and uh, uh, that. One would teach it would uh, help fund the development of the software, and two is that we would feel the burn. Right? What's account based marketing? So account based marketing is uh, uh, identifying accounts. Like I guess there's it's a it's a bigger it's a big question. I would say at the top of the funnel, it's uh, uh, identifying those companies that you have a unique proposition for, and focusing effort on attracting just those companies. Mm. Okay. And then through the final after the sale, account-based marketing is upsale, cross-sale, expanding the business uh, in the account that you closed from a marketing perspective. So you're doing this, you're creating your first version. What did the first version have? Um, yeah, it was uh, uh, the all workflow automation was the first thing we did. Landing pages was second. Uh, and uh, very quickly after the multi-tenant, because we had to be able to, uh, and back then because of his industrial automation clients, it was uh, uh, trade shows. You know, trade shows and webinars are actually very similar from a marketing perspective. Being able to rapidly deploy a marketing solution for one of those, and on the other side, so we focused on another vertical. And this is a much more, I would say, a, a, a more uh, a tangible uh, example is. Um, we focused also on another vertical, which was B2C, and uh, which was, uh, uh, interestingly enough, uh, fitness studios, specifically mm-hmm. martial arts studios. And okay. why? Because there's so many of them, right? They're everywhere. You could throw a rock in any direction in any, any yeah. community in North America and break the window of a dojo. Uh, uh, so what our, if you think about it, they don't make much money. They don't have a lot of uh, time or effort. They're just training. And uh, why go after it? Well, if you think about Southwest Air, it's finding a, uh, a niche that nobody will go in and be able to automate and do something and make a difference and own it, right? So literally, if, with the, the marketing for a martial arts studio, it was a coupon to get into the dojo, drip campaign to become a member, uh, tournament, anti-bullying week, back to school, spot, all these campaigns. So we'd build out a cam- an account template uh-huh. We could, with a microsite, everything already. When we got the next client, we could literally be producing results in thirty minutes. And this is a services client, or was this your your software clients? They were paying for so your this software. Was, no, this was our. This is when we were an agency. When you were an agency, you went after dojos. You know what? It makes a lot of sense. They don't have a ton of money to invest, but giving a free class doesn't cost them much. And that's, that's, a, right. that's a pretty good lure when you're looking at a Facebook ad, especially if it's the local one down the street from you. Yeah. 
Exactly. Yeah. Hyper-targeted yeah. and then a drip campaign to get them into that dojo to go take that class. Then once they're in the class, a drip campaign to make sure they become a member. Right. So, but it's a complex, a lot of marketing and a lot of labor that nobody would put into a martial arts studio. How'd you come but up with them? It was, uh, it was, uh, we did, did a lot of, uh, sort of, uh, whiteboarding of, uh, of, uh, uh, you know, companies like I, th I think that uh, one is there was lots of them Two, the relationship with the client is sustained, right? Going after, you know, uh, painters, <laughs> they paint the house once and they never see the client again, or uh, any of these services based clients where it's onesie twosie. It was, uh, we were looking for something that had a sustained relationship with the client where we could maximize continual rents, right? Uh, from our clients, so to speak. And uh, so, yeah, we went through a bunch and that's how we, 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 uh, I think if I did it again, I would probably went after uh, dentists, <laughs> right? Because? Uh, unlike martial arts studios, they made money. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or optometrists. We have another, we have a client now in our business, as now that we're selling infrastructure to agencies, they focus on bankruptcy law firms. And, you uh, they literally have so many clients. And they did the same as us, is rapidly deploy a microsite, advertisements, all of this stuff, onboard a client in 20 minutes, right? There's no value in labor. That's the point, right? It's all in the results. You know, it strikes me that, well, let me hold my thought and come back in a moment. First, I should say, my my sponsor is HostGator. Let me ask you this, Sean. If someone were to say, you know what? I'm going to start a marketing agency. I'm going to sell that as a service right now. Maybe they end up using your software at Active Demand to manage it. Do you recommend that they do that for dentists? That, or what do you recommend? What's a good idea for somebody who's launching to yeah. start? And uh, at the end of the day, no matter what your your uh, uh, what your target market is, you have to be uh, have to get the domain experience to understand the pain, do the pitch, et cetera. So uh, if I was an agency becoming vertically focused, I'd try to find a, uh, uh, a, a, a service, or I should say a vertical that has sustained relationships with the clients. There's lots of them. They have money. If you can make a difference, uh, it's hard, hard for them to not justify paying. So, so it's a case that, uh, uh, speaking of like uh, HostGator, it's a case that uh, all agencies typically, if they're building websites, they're going to have to have infrastructure. And typically, they're uh, going to somebody like HostGator with WordPress or something like that. Uh, right. That's and, what HostGator will do. I, I bet that there's going to be somebody in the audience who says, you know what, I'm going to jump on this dentist idea. Let's see if I could create... If I and I guess they would still use active demand, right, to service those yeah. clients, right? And then say, I'm going to go after dentists. Here's my process for doing it. I wonder what other agencies there are, what else there is to do that for, where they could oh, help. Yeah, at the end of the day, that's every. Um, I believe, and there's lots of ways to scale businesses. Mm -hmm. And everyone, uh, uh, your audience is is starting a business and thinking of growing the business. And uh, the the thing that I think about is how to scale a business. Right. right. It's not, it's grow profitably because yes. you're going to get to a certain point and you have to make a choice. Am I going to just focus on eroding margins? I should say increasing margins and uh -huh. staying where you are to make more money, or are you going to solve the scaling problem? Right. And so, uh, start with an agency. There, uh, there are lots of different ways to scale an agency. Uh, I argue the uh, nice way is to pick a niche and run with it. Right. Is pick one niche that you can. You know what I think might be interesting right now is tutors 
I'm noticing that more and more cities have tutoring services of one kind or another, right? A lot of them are now branded in their chains, but they're not necessarily find those, go and pitch them, and then learn how to pitch the parents who are going to make a decision to send their students to them. You've got ongoing business, you've got ongoing revenue. All right, listen to me, people, whether it's that idea or anything else, yes, you can absolutely service your customers using active demand if you want to do that. If you need a landing page or excuse me, a website for your business, go to HostGator and then offer that as a service. If you do hit me up, let me know how it's going. If there's a different idea and you need a, a, a webpage for it, go to HostGator.com slash Mixergy also. And the important part about adding the slash Mixergy at the end is full disclosure. Of course, I get credit for sending you over, but more importantly for you, you get a bigger discount than they ordinarily give their people. And it's already low price. So to get that bigger discount means you're practically paying nothing. The service is great. It'll work. And their upside is in selling you, frankly, bigger services as your business grows. All right, hostgator.com slash Mixergy. All right, here's the thing that I was going to say to you. I remember interviewing Ryan, the founder of Eye Contact. Let me see, it was years ago, 2012. I, I'm sure I interviewed, oh, I'm, there it is. I interviewed him first in 2010. The guy sold his business, uh, his email marketing software company for $169 million a couple of years later in 2012. Back then, to be in this space, all you needed was email marketing, to just have one single list, no tags, no funnels, no nothing. When you got in was when? Yeah, so uh, 2012, 2013. Uh, yeah, but when we pivoted, it was 2014, I think it was. So this was after you needed so many more features just to get in the space, let alone yeah. to compete, Right. What was the minimum that you found after all that uh, feeling the pain of your customers that you realized this is what we need to do? Yeah. So the minimum, and again, our, our audience was marketing agencies, right? Uh, we definitely sold to other companies like you know industrial companies and bigger businesses, et cetera, software as a service companies. Um, but really for uh, the agencies, we needed reporting. Right, it isn't, and all marketers will face this. Is uh, even in house marketers. When back at Matricon, we used to have this gold club where the the person who made the biggest impact on the revenue got this ah, special award. Right? Yeah. It never went to a marketer. Right. Because it always go to a salesperson. Salesperson, salesperson, salespeople's revenues are directly shown exactly. and a direct exactly. re result of their work. And uh, but the reality is, is that it required marketing to be successful. Mm -hmm. So the biggest challenge all marketers face is not about delivering value; it's demonstrating value mm -hmm. delivered. Right. So reporting was number one. We had to have a nice report automation system, a dashboard tool, uh, just so that they could start demonstrating the value delivered. Then of course, emails is a is an easy one. Landing page is very important and a big one. And this was, uh, it's absolutely a, uh, a killer thing is call tracking, right? So, um, you know, if somebody goes to a website and they call that business, it's typically a very hot lead. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, so, as a marketer, I want to know what spend I made to get that person to come to the website yeah. and call. So that's what we had to build as a full call tracking system. So basically, whenever somebody called, the agencies would send an email to the client saying with the agency's brand, hey, this phone, the call you're on right now, here's the details of the guy, right? 
So uh, uh, emails were a part of it, but definitely call tracking was a was a early early thing that we had to we used it ourselves as an agency, and then we uh, uh, when we're selling agencies, our call tracking system is is crazy. Like somebody goes to our website, they browse around, phone us, then they get on the sales uh, the call with one of our salespeople and says, "Do you do this? Do you do that? Oh, by the way, do you integrate with my CRM? I'm using a company called uh, say PipeDrive." Mm-hmm. Because they talked about PipeDrive on the phone, all 3,000 pages of our website are going to shift and start showing PipeDrive. That person's going to start seeing ads of active demand oh, in PipeDrive. Oh, wow. From the beginning? Of- so, got it. So, from the, you were saying when you launched, I'm looking at your site back from 2014. Back then you had it? Yeah. The whole site would change for that customer next time they hit um, a link from an yep. email. Yeah, okay. we were doing that when we were an agency. It was sort of our calling card was we called it the audience of one, mm-hmm. right? Everybody thinks about marketing, you're fishing with large nets. Those nets are full of individual people, right? Yeah. And if you're treating them like stats, <laughs> they're going to behave like stats. So it's really about uh, uh, adapting to the journey, uh, uh, the individual's journey. I didn't realize that. You know what? I'm looking at the site right now. I don't I don't see it that that clearly. That's an amazing feature. And I don't know yeah, that I would have discovered it from back then. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's uh uh it has to be, you have to take the robot out of the room. Mm-hmm. Right. You can't like we do it. We're pretty brash now. We'll put people's names on our website just to be uh arrogant. But uh uh that's what we sell. Right. Yeah. But when we were an agency, we would never do that. It was always about, you know, if you could get the experience, like you think about uh, martial arts studios, the two, mm-hmm. two verticals, moms looking for a place for their kids, MMA guys. Mm. Okay. <laughs> now, if you, uh, if mom wants to see pictures of kids on the site, the MMA guys want to see blood on the mat. <laughs> mm, right. And you need it. Right. Right. That's- so, so you do a Facebook ad targeting moms, they get to the website, see all kinds of pictures of kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Target single males, they click the ad, they go to the website. Right. And each would be repulsed by the other's images. Yeah. All right. And so you were yeah. using this for your clients for Absolutely. how long before you said, it's time, this is going to work for other yeah, businesses? Yeah, it was... Uh, so I think we were... Uh, I think it was about three years max before we burnt mm-hmm. the ships of the agency, right? Wow. Because then by then we had clients that we are, we're already on the tech stack. We're basically, we, we started selling the tech stack to the bigger clients. Uh, then when we pivoted, we had to kill the agency because we're now going to go sell the agencies and we can't get them, have them feel in any way, shape or form that we're after their clients. Oh, that's why you had to do it. I was wondering why you yeah. couldn't just keep the business going to understand what, yeah. how things were shifting. No. <laughs> They were going to see you as competitors. Absolutely. And all agencies are always just like anybody. They're, they're, uh, they want, it's difficult to get a client, even mm-hmm. more difficult to keep them. And if they bring in tech stack where tech stack vendor is going to uh, start uh, uh, taking their clients. Right. <laughs> Especially since, you know what, at the top of your site, the, there was the active demand logo with the arrow pointing up into the right, but underneath the logo there was buy jump demand. And if somebody would have went to see who jump demand is, they would have seen you were the agency. So why not hire the agency that makes the software? That, but how would they have even known your software even existed? Because yeah, it was all white labeled. 
you know, and a lot of agencies are uh, really, really, and we've done a good job of this, is getting our brand off our software, right? Uh, especially and also geographically, like in, if I think about the Netherlands, boy, agencies there, they, they absolutely do not want ev any evidence of the tech stack they're using for their clients in, uh, in any way visible. So it's, uh, uh, but the end of the day is that if we were an agency and we were trying to get their clients, uh, like I can think of other people in the space that uh, we compete with that have done exactly that, and they've uh, left a lot of uh, unhappy agencies, right? But uh, at the end of the day, we felt one is a pivot. I've pivoted a company before. Uh, it's not just pivoting the website. It's changing the thinking of the company. Right, and you so wanted you that. Pivot, you wanted to start you to, to think go. about software and not think about how do we get more clients and manage our time and all that. Yeah, we, it's you have to change the thinking of the company, right? If you do a pivot, mm -hmm. it's uh, and you know that's the, the path you're going to go down. You can't throw a couple of chips on the table, and uh, uh, you've got to go in all in because it's not just the customers; it's the more it's your staff, right? Your staff have to be behind the flag. They have to be all walking together up the mountain together. And if you're, you know, trying to climb uh, two completely different mountains, uh, it's uh, you're going to have difficulties. You know, I'm going to talk to the founder of Conductor at some point soon. He sold his company to WeWork, then got to buy his company back from WeWork, and then he also had some pivots in between. I think, or some pivots before. I think he had to let go of people as he was changing his business. Did you have any of that? It was dramatic. Um, well, there's, there were some people that definitely didn't feel there was a, a fit anymore. So they, uh, uh, they chose somewhere else. But uh, we didn't actually have to let people go uh, because we also internally, we, it wasn't just a, the lights come on and everybody now sees that the, the brand has changed. We were working hard as uh, internally to get everybody ready for the change, right? So it was, there was a lot of internal work that needed to be done so that everyone bought into the, the new direction. All right, I'm going to talk about my second sponsor, and then we'll come back and understand what happened when the business was on its own now, uh, software part of the business. My uh, sponsor is Overpass. Get this. There's a, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about it, but there's, a, there's an entrepreneur who I've interviewed who's in my audience. Who He started going through his email list to see which email domains are from bigger businesses. And he realized that bigger businesses don't want to just use software – you know, maybe someone internally who's exploring it, but maybe as a company, they want to roll it out to everyone. And there's a lot more money in rolling it out to everyone instead of rolling it out to just the one person who signed up on the site. So they started watching for domains. Then he hired some people to send messages out, SDRs, right? To say, um, thanks for using software. We want to give you, uh, we want to roll out the red carpet for you. We want to help you understand how the software can work and so on. And then he'd get them on calls with salespeople. And then those salespeople would convert somebody who bought software for, we're talking about $20, $30 for the whole software, convert them into a very expensive ongoing plan that's hundreds of dollars a month for the whole company. And I was just amazed by the process that they used to do that. So what does this have to do with Overpass? I think a lot of us are considering, how do we bring real human salespeople to our companies? How do we actually spin up a salesperson the way we might spin up a new computer or a new hard drive space with Amazon? Well, that's what Overpass decided to do. They said, you know what? It shouldn't be so hard to get a good salesperson. 
What if what you want to do is just go to overpass.com, do a search in their marketplace, find a salesperson who's got the ratings that you need, the experience that you're looking for. Maybe they made phone calls before. Maybe they could write good emails. Maybe it's just one or the other. You fire in the right person and then Overpass will let you hire them and their software will help you manage them. And guess what? If it doesn't work out with that person, you could get another person from the marketplace. And if it doesn't work out at all, you could just move on and say, you know what? This experiment didn't work. We've learned and we can move on. That's the beauty of Overpass. Anyone out there who wants to try this, this is an amazing opportunity to add sales and more specifically, salespeople to your sales experience. All you have to do is go to overpass.com slash Mixergy. They'll give you a discount if you sign up from using that. But more importantly, I think if you go there, you're going to learn about a brand new opportunity that even if you don't use today, you're going to have that resource in the back of your head to use whenever it makes sense for you as a business. Overpass.com slash Mixergy. What do you think, Sean? I see you nodding as I'm saying that. It makes me feel good. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, uh, back to the scaling right? <laughs> uh, I think uh, uh, sales, one, we talked lots about demand generation and marketing is, a, uh, uh, is an important part of growth and being able to scale that by uh, re- reducing the labor. Clearly, salespeople are <laughs> another part of the story, right? You got to have salespeople to, uh, uh, to close the business that marketing is generating. And, uh, you know, if you're able to uh, uh, reduce the, the pain and getting salespeople on board and uh, successful, fantastic, right? Imagine even for like a, a small, you do a launch for a short part of the year, you're doing this big launch, you have a new feature, you have a new discount, whatever it is, you do it. Now you have salespeople to take the calls and then you spin mm-hmm. up, you spin down. All right. The, the thing that we asked you, what was one of your big challenges? It seems like it wasn't developing the software, how'd you get to developers? How were you able to, we'll get to what the challenge is in a moment, but what were you able to do to build this up? So I'm a software developer myself. I'm a software engineer and uh, I've been writing software. I think the first piece of software I wrote was, uh, you know, back on a, uh, 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 (laughs) you know, a Commodore 64. So uh, I've been writing software for many, many years. And, uh, but all the software I've been writing has been, uh, through the years has been, without getting too far into the weeds, is was very close to the metal, industrial process control, uh, working on industrial computers, this type of stuff. I was very fortunate to have, uh, uh, my sister-in-law uh, uh, starts uh, becoming a software a software engineer as well. But when she started becoming a software engineer, it was now about distributed uh, distributed programming and uh, web apps and this type of stuff. So after she got her engineering degree, uh, she went down to Silicon Valley, started up couple of companies, worked as uh, the, the CTO or basically the doing the infrastructure and the coding. And uh, when I started this business, it just happened to be the right time in her life that uh, I said, uh, do you want to do this? And she said, yes. Yeah. So and I'm very fortunate to have uh, who's my CTO is my sister-in-law. And uh, she built the infrastructure. She uh architected the the software she uh there's this whole old adage in development the, the difference between a you know a, a good developer and a, a great developer is like almost three orders of magnitude in production value right so uh i was very lucky to get somebody who knew infrastructure and distributed programming and scale, scaling systems and uh, building web apps uh that was family right 
Um, yeah, so we, that's another question that uh, I'm going to be a bit vague on. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do really, our focus has been on uh, uh, revolution in-house, evolution mm-hmm. outsourced. Oh, tell me about that. So, uh, and I learned this when I was at Matricon was because we were doing outsourced development uh, there, but really we, we looked at uh, the focus of innovation has to be as close to you and your customer as possible. So that's the revolution, right? Being able to uh, uh, disrupt, uh, that has to be close to the customer and close to the product owner, if you will. So we would we do all of that in-house. Like what, what's an example of a, of a revolution that you had to do internally? Well, if you look at our dynamic content system, we are absolutely world leaders in that. And the concept of being able to literally adapt 3,000 pages of web, a web content based on somebody visiting a website, that is revolution, right? And That's that coming up with concepts. you can't outsource to someone else. That's you a core part of your business. But then once you build it, if there are can, tweaks that need to be made yeah, to it, then you, you outsource, outsource that and you got correct. it. Yeah. Got so it. we focus our in-house dev teams on revolution, innovation, okay. and then we, uh, we, we leverage uh, outsource development for okay. uh, for small changes, small fixes, uh, this type of stuff. Where do you so, get your outsource developers? Yeah, and I've been all over the world on this, and it seems like uh, uh, the place that we've been having the most success is uh, uh, Ukraine. Is, and you're hiring them very, individually as freelancers? Uh, or sometimes agencies? it depends. Like we've been using agencies, mm-hmm. and we've also hired individual. So it's, uh, uh, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. So it's, it's a case that, uh, uh, yeah, it's the agencies are nice if you need a team. Um, but if you just need some, somebody that is uh, really good to solve something really quickly, then I would, you know, get a consultant that, and I would keep going back to the same consultants if I've been having success with them. So, you know, I started this interview by saying I've, I've interviewed a lot of, entrepreneurs who run marketing companies. And I think despite the fact that there's a lot of software, a lot of businesses in the marketing space, I feel like it's a great place to be because your customers can see a result that pays for itself, right? So that there's not a lot of doubt. They're in experimental mode. So they're willing to try new things because they're they're looking for the edge versus, so I haven't interviewed a lot of say competitors to Zendesk and Help Scout, right? There's Intercom, but these businesses seem to sprout maybe every 10 years, there seem to be 10 big ones, but in marketing, there might be 10, 20 big ones every year. And, yeah. and that's the reason, right? Yeah, I would say that definitely, uh, yeah, I'm sure, like I have a lot of people I've met uh, who are, uh, you know, not colleagues, maybe uh, partners, this type of stuff. A lot of them, they've all started doing something and then saw the, had the eureka moment and uh, built something, right? Or else they, uh, uh, typically it was marketing, right? They were marketing for somebody and uh, they needed, they saw, gee, this is really difficult. And they, they went and did something about it. Uh, so, and you're yes, saying would... that this model also makes sense for getting into software in the marketing space. So marketers are more likely to consider new options. And if you're going to create software, a good way to do it is by doing the service first. Yeah. And also, like I think about, uh, 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 I'm sure 
uh, and I know my competitors with Funnel Flare, uh, one of my competitors with Funnel Flare, their whole story was, I think, competing with, uh, they were doing, uh, 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 they were doing uh, uh, hiring, right? Hiring automation. And then they uh, saw the need because it's interesting as salespeople, the one thing about uh, salespeople is they're typically not as uh, technically uh, savvy as, as a marketer because they're, op they're basically, uh, they're highly motivated to uh, uh, get make the most money with the, the least amount of effort. That isn't laziness, that's intelligence. And what they want to do is also spend more time, it seems, with the customer, less time with the software. But for marketers, they're talking to a lot of people. The better their software is, the, the better more they people they can access and got it. Yeah. And, and, okay. And as a result, uh, what's interesting is that in the sales space, there hasn't been a lot of innovation because typically the salespeople or people who've been working in sales, uh, they're not tool people, right? Mm. So uh, if I and I uh, if I was to do it all over again, um, I and this we 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 created funnel flare out of a necessity, but if I would reverse it, I would. Uh, I would have started with, with funnel, funnel flare. What is funnel, funnel flare? flare? So that's you said to our producer. If there's one big regret, it's that you didn't yeah. jump into Funnel Flare earlier. What is Funnel Flare? Yeah, so uh, uh, marketing automation, it's a uh, mo a lot of people know what marketing automation is. Like it's been around for a long time. There's lots of players, uh, uh, lots, lots of different tools, et cetera. Uh, but on it's called sales enablement, right? That's the the term. Is uh, how do I uh, like if we think about an SDR? How do I make you know two hundred and fifty calls a day, right? How do I, as a salesperson, uh, uh, talk to the people who are uh, uh, are in the right position to be using my my expertise and my domain knowledge to close the sale, as opposed to knocking on doors or people that aren't engaged uh well it all comes down to uh uh you know time right how do i get more out of my time so wait, you're saying person? the marketer would have bought ads would have done the webinars or managed the webinars would have then followed up with emails and then at some point would have said this person is interested in buying they want to talk to somebody yeah that goes into the salesperson so now that's where funnel flare comes in. That's right. So and what does the salesperson need? Not just a calendar booking system, get on my calendar and let's talk. No. Yeah. No. What do they need? Like uh, you think about how many emails the, a salesperson sends right after, let's say for us, it's a demo, right? Mm -hmm. The same email sent right mm -hmm. after the demo. Uh, uh, this, then there's another email sent two weeks later, then there's an appointment, you know, then there's, uh, I should go follow this guy on LinkedIn. I should, there's all of these things that I, uh, as a salesperson, right. Right. uh, do as part of best practices, right? Mm -hmm. It's all labor. Okay. It's all labor. Right. Back to my point about the marketers, right. A salesperson will tell you there's zero value in labor, right? So if they're doing this labor over and over and over and over again, automated. So it's the emails that they're sending out and they're doing manually. It's the go and follow people on LinkedIn and those types of things. Got it. Yeah. And what else? What, what Make, else? Let's say, uh, yeah. So let's say like uh, the right tool for a, a salesperson where they should be spending all their time is in their, in the CRM, mm -hmm. right? A CRM is a tool for project managing opportunities, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, if you think about just the use of the CRM, I think the biggest challenge all companies have with CRMs is getting their salespeople to use them. Right. Yeah. Because yep. it's a lot. It's labor. 
Yep. Right. So just imagine me making a phone call. I'm going to phone this prospect because it shows up on my calendar. I'm going to go mm-hmm. phone them. I make the call at the end of the call. You know, oh, somebody phones. I didn't mm-hmm. go log it in the CRM yep. or maybe I go for lunch or something like that. Don't log in the CRM. So how about this? I make the call while I'm sitting there looking at the contact, the phone call, it rings in my headset. I do the call. When I hang up, there's disposition that pops up right there. I choose the outcome of the call, write notes right there in the modal. It goes and logs the call in the CRM and sends an email right after the call. Uh, uh, That stuff I would have had to do manually, it just removed all that labor for me. Right. Yeah. 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 Or I, let's say every morning mm-hmm. I'm going to go phone all of the people that it's their uh, the three month call. Right. Uh-huh. There's three months. I'm going to try to sell them some uh, uh, renewal or something like that. Mm-hmm. So why not just queue up a whole list of people that I'm supposed to call and it'll just fill itself. And I look, oh, yeah, there's people to call. Bam. I'm going to spend my morning just doing my three months calls. Bam, 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 bam. It logs them all in the serum automatically with a little disposition. I and just the dialer automatically dials the person. And then if they if it goes to voicemail, it handles it. It drops if a it, voicemail. It drops a voice, pre-recorded it, it voicemail. It drops the pre-recorded voicemail. Oh, right. Wow. And then if the person is there and available to talk, then it comes to me. And then I talk. And then it automatically, uh, oh, got Locks it. it all right. serum. That's all labor, yeah. right? That every yeah, yeah, salesperson yeah. goes through on a daily basis. So we focused on uh, reducing the labor for a salesperson. So our, our, our messaging is really, how do you scale sales yeah. without adding bodies is you reduce the labor, right? Same story with the agencies, zero value in labor, right? You know what? It's one of the things that I hate doing myself and it only comes back to hurt me at the end of a call. If I talk to a sponsor, right? I talk to, um, uh, to overpass, I needed to follow up with them and I needed to record the things that we talked about. Who did I talk to over there? Who's the founder? What about the person who I'm talking to? Where where's she moving? Where's she living now? Who's she dating? If if that happens to come up, right? So I'm not clueless next time, but we can have a follow-up conversation. But if I don't, if I don't log that, if I don't remember to send over a proposal afterwards and they want to talk to me, I'm the one who's going to be talking about their their company. I want to get on a call with them, but I also want to remember everything and then not spend forever writing up something to say, here's what we talked about. Here's this crazy idea. We can implement it, right? But also, and, let's say you get busy and you, and you forget to send a, an email right. for some time. The trust is gone. Yeah. Right? The worst is if I if we don't have a follow-up afterwards, it just yeah. goes, it, we forget about it, right? So why not automatically at the end of the call, the disposition is, uh, it's a continuation or next steps. It adds a task to your calendar. And then uh, in the notes that you put, it embeds it into an email, uh, sends an email, sends a reminder that they're going to book. Here's the link, my appointment scheduler, pick the next time. If they book, it kicks them out of the cadence. If not, keep reminding them that they need to book this next meeting that's right for them. And, what about uh, what you it, said, though? You said that salespeople don't love software. They don't geek out on it the uh, way the no, marketers no, no, do. Or no. do they? they? They don't love labor. Ah, so you're saying if you could if you could get them if you can show them the software works, they will go in and sign up for it on their own, try it out on their own, and then maybe it becomes something that goes that yeah. lands and expands in the business. Yeah. Now back to active mm-hmm. demand. It's the same tech stack. We built the system for rapidly deploying recipes that work. Right. Yep. So we acquire a bunch of recipes that work for sales. Uh, yep. And when they sign up. Boom, they've got a whole bunch of uh, recipes, as we call them, that yep. are cadences that just work. 
Got it. So if there's someone here who's listening to us, who's got their, their salesperson or they're doing sales themselves, they could just go in and try to use it themselves. And it works as a single player mode. Don't need any permission from anyone else. Right. Got it. Okay. And it uses and, my own emails. Like uh, if I'm using the ones that Gmail. Work for you. Oh, you're I saying mean, if I use Gmail, it just sh- it shoots it out. It's sending Gmail. them out of my Gmail. So there's yeah. no setup. It's using my calendar. It's using... Yeah. Everything is just, it's the, the clients never get the feeling that they're talking to a robot or there's automation. Right. Right. Because if you're using automation in marketing, there's a whole bunch of uh, laws about, you know, unsubscribe and links. And t- but if you're just doing transactional emails or even text messages, like we'll automate the text messages, uh, you don't have to uh, say, hey, this is a robot sending it instead yeah. of me. This is yeah. what I would type anyways. Right. So it's all using your own email system. So, yeah. Yeah. I, so. I actually have found that when I don't use software to automate, I make stupid mistakes. Yeah. So <laughs> again, I was, I was doing some sales earlier this year for sponsors. Um, and I, I had this great idea and I created this one page to say, we followed up on the call. Here's everything that I talked about and here's what I could do for you. And then I thought the next time, this is a great idea. You know what? Why don't I do the same thing? And then I just copied it and uh, I made yeah. an edit, but I uh, totally screwed up and I sent them somebody else's. I uh, get was, emails like that all the time where people are trying to pitch me something and they're they're mentioning my competitor's software in their email as oh, opposed to no, actually so automating. That. <laughs> right. And, then, to- and that's when I said, you know what? I'm always going to, at the end of a call, be too pressured to handle things right before the next thing that I have to do. I have to, I, I didn't want to automate any of it because I was having personal conversations. The reason they want to talk to me is to have the personal conversation. And then I said, no, this is a way to screw it up. Not just, it's, it wasn't just for the person who I worked with. This, he was an intern mm-hmm. who's, I'll send in, say the name of the company, was Send In, uh, send in Blue. It wasn't mm-hmm. just for them. It was the intern who then took it to his boss and said, Andrew's amazing. And <laughs> then he sent this Notion doc to his boss. And I know what it was. I then edited the Notion doc by accident and sent it to someone else and forgot that I edited his Notion doc. And so he looked like an idiot. And and I looked kind of foolish. But that's where I learned you've got to just automate this stuff if you're going to. Because our brains can't, can't yeah, function that way. It's, it, it comes down to, yeah, two ones. People, labor is, there's zero value in labor. There's actually less than zero value in labor is, uh, uh, one is the erosion of trust because yeah. of the human element, right? I didn't send the email in time. I didn't yeah. follow up in a timely fashion and I made mistakes yeah. in the follow-up, right? And it yeah. just erodes, erodes trust. So that's why- what? Sean, I had a similar issue. The founder of Super uh, Superhuman email software, it's a, it's a personal email software. He walked me through it personally, showed me a software, and then he showed me how snippets work where I could have basically it's canned responses like Gmail. I said, I'm not going to use it. I want to respond to everyone personally. And I got so many messages from people who wanted to do an interview and I didn't want to deal with it. I started to at times, if I was happy, I would say thank you and be nice and respond. If I was frustrated, I would send them a frustrated message and then I'd regret it later on. And then I finally said, you know what? Customizing seems nice, but it's not effective. I just use this the snippets and I send the same thing to everyone. Hey, let me let me close out with this one thing. I know it's kind of an awkward place to close it, but we started awkward. We're gonna end awkward. You had a co-founder. Yes. And there was a separation. You yes. call it like a divorce. What, it what was happened? A divorce, yeah. 
What happened? So yeah, when you start a business, and I'm sure like your your audience, there are, uh, uh, it's uh, entrepreneurs, and there's lots of uh, uh, choices yep. that you make. You either go it alone, and uh, if you have the pockets, uh, you hire uh, those that you need to to get it done, right? Uh, and you know i've been through this a bunch and it was a case that uh uh the decision to partner it is a marriage right so it's uh uh going back i, I you know i would not have uh, i would have partnered just like i did to start the company because the person that i was partnering with uh brought something that was unique and something that i absolutely couldn't do and hiring was you know it was just uh it wasn't something that i could hire out i needed trust and i needed uh, uh i needed yeah so then today i decided to start the company as as a partnership right uh and then as the partnership as in, that was through the whole agency phase and then basically yeah, when we pivoted, uh, that's where, uh, you know, choices had to be made where, okay, the business is completely different. And uh, yeah, it's, it's better to be, uh, uh, yeah, one of us had to leave was the reality. So thankfully, though, and this is something that I would say is important for everybody starting a business, if you are choosing to do a partnership, get the prenup made, right? Make sure that it's very clear what the divorce is going to look like before you start. So from the and, beginning, you said, we're going to work together. It's going to be our both of our business. But if we decide to leave, what are some options for separation that make things easier? Yeah. Price so, I'm suing? What's up? It was like the buyout. Uh, yeah, sure yeah. The one. buyout agreements, the like the shotgun clauses, basically uh, what the divorce was going to, what the divorce options were going to look like, right? Okay. So uh, it was well laid out. And, what else is important uh, to include in that in that agreement? Yeah, and I typically I'd say go get a lawyer, and mm -hmm. uh, uh, they are very good at this because they think of things that uh, we'd never think of, and we just knew that uh, just from both our experiences in business is uh, we needed to get the uh, uh, the the shareholder agreement, if you will, or the divorce papers already before we started. So we went, spent the money with a lawyer. We had very good lawyers and we built a very good rock solid document that would uh, explain how the divorce was going to go. So when it came time, then it was just uh, mechanics, right? It's got to feel so much better. Yeah, it was, it was definitely... Uh, I think we're both happier because, mm -hmm. you know, he's doing stuff that he's, he's, he, he has a whole bunch of money that he can go do stuff with. <laughs> and uh, myself as, uh, as entrepreneurs are, they, there's a bunch of uh, uh, entrepreneur, you know, pain as you're growing a company that uh, I'd rather have that pain than, uh, you know, fighting the mountain as opposed to, you know, having internal challenges, deciding yeah. what the mountain, which mountain we should be on. So. <laughs> Yeah. So it was, yeah, it's, uh, it is, uh, when you're out when you're starting a business and you do make that choice, like I said, is the thing that saved me was we both went into it eyes open with, uh, and got lawyers involved before we started the, uh, the business. That's so helpful. I am so lucky that I haven't had that, but I've seen a lot of my friends go through problems with their co-founders. It's, it's really challenging and it, it makes you second guess who you are. Am I good to this person and, or am I bad to this person? Then that makes me a bad person. Am I too good? When do we let it go? How do we let it go? Um, yeah. And it, it yeah. became obvious for us when we did it, that it was time, you know, and uh, uh, that it was, you know, uh, 
you know, who's getting the kids and who's taking the money, right? <laughs> so <laughs> I wanted the kids and I had money. So <laughs> he got the money. And I got the kids. All right. And the kids are still up and running and growing. The The site is um, actually, I was going to say jump demand because I was looking at yeah. the old archive of that, but no, it's activedemand.com for the marketing yeah. automation. And then if anyone is doing sales or wants to check out how it would work for their sales team, it's funnelflare.io. Am I right? Absolutely. I'm remembering and, it right. Uh, that's right. All right. And I want to so. thank two sponsors who made this interview happen. If you need a website, go to hostgator.com slash Mixergy. If you want to explore hiring a salesperson, go to overpass.com slash Mixergy. All right, Sean, thanks so much. Thanks for having me.